Welcome back, everyone, to the Shock Absorber, and it is always, as usual, every day, as per usual. <laughs> Great to have you along with us, and as per usual, we have Stu. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I like? I like how we, we have a giggle at the beginning of each podcast about something, don't we? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just my ineptitude. <laughs> I like how you don't take yourself too seriously. I think it's good. Oh, uh, yeah. I spend a lot of my time, my life doing that. My whole life's a joke, isn't it? You're <laughs> a humble man, Joel. <laughs> and you lo- you, you're very joyous. Well, it's always funny that we did a few, was it last year, that we did a quick look at the um, like the uh, personality profiles? Yeah, we did, didn't and we, in the staff meeting? Yeah, yeah, the ones that are like E and, I forget what it's called, but like E and T and J. And the All one that, that came up for me was, I'm the one that like, there's people that uh, lead in terms of um, not through conflict, but um, like verbal jousting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's me <laughs> all the time. And I just, when that was the first time I realised, like, oh, no wonder people get upset at me sometimes. <laughs> I just come in and say something really annoying. Every good thing has shadows. Yeah, the, every, yeah, many, many shadows. Yeah, that's mm. right. Uh, how are you today, Stu? I'm good. And you good? Yeah, I feel good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about what, you know, things that are happening at church and yeah i think god's god's making stuff happen so there's, there's lots of things happening yeah. yeah yeah but we were talking um uh you're talking about uh i asked you do have you been watching any documentaries and you said oh, the documentaries i watch people aren't interested in yeah i think that is generally true <laughs> yeah I, i'm yet to be convinced otherwise <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, i was interested in it about lancaster bombers but you didn't want to talk about that well, but we could what's the what's the one thing you you talked that from i learned from it yeah or you the enjoy don't go to war Yes, that's, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. <laughs> War's terrible. Yes. Yeah, that, no. For the for for those of you who are even slightly interested, there's a <laughs> on Prime. There's a documentary called Night Bombers, which is interesting oh. because it's actual real color footage from Second World War. Really, but what's interesting about it is they go through the the a day in the life of a bomber squadron. And they just look at all the different connected pieces that gets a plane up in the air to fly over and bomb another country. So, but there's this all this interesting footage of watching people interact, and you know they're in, for example, they're in a, a room where some people are presumably working out what route the planes are going to fly, and just watching the way they talk to each other, and you can't hear what they're saying, but the footage behind the narration is basically people making cups of tea for each other and <laughs> they're all very polite and even the person reading out the commentary is so polite and oh really then we did this and then we did this yes. and then they f- when we flew over and we dropped bombs on them and blew yeah. their city up and <laughs> they just speak so nicely about such horrendous things and like yeah. and the night fighters attacked the plane and then the plane mm. swerved out of the here way you can see yeah here you can see the the plane is swerving out of the way of the shot of the anti-aircraft fire And as the pilot comes over the burning city, and there's these poor people in some city somewhere, like it's just all this red fire. And yeah, I found it quite intriguing actually. Mm. In the middle of it all, they're making cups of tea and (laughs) saying, rah, rah, chip, chip. (laughs) Chip, chip. What does that mean? I don't know if they say chip, chip, but they say (laughs) stuff like that. So, anyway, hence why I didn't think anyone would be particularly interested. I'm glad I I tricked you into talking about it anyway. You you tricked me into talking about (laughs) it. But, yeah, it's, I mean, they're incredibly brave, those people who flew those planes. But then there's so much suffering on on the ground. I can't imagine it. Like, there was one shot of a plane going over a burning city, and you could just see this silhouette of another plane flying underneath it. And they're like, one of the dangers of bombing a city is if we drop the incendiary bombs on another one of our planes or something. Mm. I'm like, man, it's hard enough getting in a plane already just to fly in a normal plane. People get nervous about flying. I just think, can you imagine doing that night after night? Yeah. Yeah, and only 50% of the 
Bombers came back and well, they used to just fly all the way over to Germany and fly back. Yep, right? seven hours a night they flew, and yeah. then during the day they're like going up the pub and riding their bikes around in fields and <laughs> living normal lives, and then they're flying off in these, and they're not they're not pressurized, so all these guys have got all this stuff on. And at one point they're having a cup of tea in the plane, and he goes, "Oh, they don't generally open the coffee or tea before they get back because it's considered bad luck, <laughs> and maybe so because it can actually freeze in your windpipe and kill you." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, really? Right. I don't know." Something That's like how that. cold it was. Well, in it was the, in below the zero, like, like you're saying, thirty below zero or something like that. Like wow. they're up, yeah, they're up like I don't know how high they were, thirty thousand feet with no pressurized cabins. So of and course. they've got these masks on, breathing. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. I just can't believe how sad that was. So yeah, anyway, there's a rule chirpy pleasant thing to start what a the podcast start. on. <laughs> I mean there are there are, you know, analogies you can draw, like, you know, the amount of organization, the number of different people that need to work together and yeah. sometimes in churches we don't work enough together. And um so yeah, it does get me thinking, well, oh, I wonder if we were as thoughtful about all the different good things that people can contribute. What if we sort of work together and well, all is, contributed together a bit more yeah, sometimes? Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's fascinating about something as terrible as war. Mm. Whatever side the other, whatever side you're on, it's like how much it unifies people yeah. to be able to move forward. Yeah, they together. do, don't they? They seem to get like you think about yeah. um, how keen um, Churchill was to get US into the war because he, he knew, like, if I can get that absolute powerhouse yeah. of a country behind, yeah. we can actually behind the war effort, we yeah. can actually change the tide of the war. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing. It's a, I think that's why I find things like military conflict really interesting because i think it's like the teamwork strategic aspect yeah, right. of like how can you make that yeah. make something happen even though well, <laughs> again don't go to war like yeah. you said. But, but i mean the, the sad part was that 100 years before second world war the english and the germans were fighting the french and then 100 years later the french and the english are fighting the germans and yeah. and now 100 years later they're well they're not fighting but you know the germans and the english are supplying arms to ukraine so yeah. It's just sort of like, oh, I just wish everyone would sit down and have a cup of tea and go, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's another way. They need to make a cup of tea for the enemy. Not, but I mean, Jesus said, there's, you know, you're going to hear wars and rumours of wars. So, yeah, it's just part of our mm. hu- sinful, human sinfulness and fallen world. But, mm. yeah, anyway, the documentary, the, the thing that was interesting was just the just looking at the hairstyles and the different fashions and the way they related. Yeah. They're all very polite and that was really interesting. If people do look it up it's called night bombers it's like you'll probably watch it for 15 minutes and go oh yeah there you go i've seen it but it is interesting no i, I think i might have to check it out at some point yeah. i don't get much control over the tv so at some point we'll have you like to tell it. me what you think well also i mean it's on free to wear tv i don't i yeah. mean you can watch oh, it on well, you can watch prime it on it is, prime yeah. the um streaming thing but like even then i'm just like well there's going to be ads can't watch that yeah, true. Well, Prime doesn't have ads, so that's doesn't good. it? No, no. Oh. Prime's Prime's actually the Amazon one. You might have. Oh, been sorry. I was. I thought you meant thinking of something uh, else. Channel Seven. You know, yeah, Prime, no, the no, regional no. network. No, no. I'm no, sorry. No, it's I actually have on on the Amazon one. I have yeah. Amazon Prime. That's okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm watching it then. Uh, <laughs> we did. So, so then I asked you, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? You thought that Lancaster bombers were boring, like nine bombers. So then you said, well, I want to talk about a book that you've been mm. one of the books that you've been looking at, and we're talking about books with Tim. So it's a good way to start the podcast, I think. Yeah. What's the book that you're interested in? Yeah, so I've been, uh, as our, some of our viewers and listeners all know, I'm doing a PhD at the moment mm. and I'm really interested in the interface of the church and culture and how we can sort of see if we can organise our young people and our older people to work together so that adults and young people uh, are not segregated in churches so much but work together. And uh, there's an author that actually Lyndall 
Tate put me onto on the weekend, and his name's Andy Crouch. And I heard his name before. I hadn't actually got to read any stuff, but I read his stuff this week, and he is very interesting. Well, he runs a company called Praxis, which is, talks about advancing redemptive entrepreneurship. Oh, really? I yeah. haven't got that far in a deep dive yet. <laughs> so not, in the, not in the book, is it? So what's the name of his organisation? Praxis. And it's an organisation that works as a creative engine for redemptive entrepreneurship. Yeah, right. But I don't know, how, do that, how does that relate to the, the book that you think Yeah, well, reading? the book I've read is called Culture Making. Okay. And it's well worth a read. And he's interesting in that he talks about... There's actually shadows of Ian Hussey in what he's writing, actually. I'm going to have to ask Ian if... He, he thinks that too, or if it's just my thought. But Ian Hussey taught us on the podcast quite a little while ago that um, the Bible doesn't just affirm culture or reject culture. Mm. It, it sometimes rejects and sometimes affirms. Well, what Andy Crouch talks about is he injects into that conversation of how do we have a position on culture. He says that actually Christians are involved in creating culture. So culture is okay. not just something to be consumed. It's actually something that we produce. And that's the piece that I was really interested in in his book. Well, Dan, did you have any thoughts about that? I mean, that's really interesting because, I mean, I know that's something that's quite you're passionate about, mm. Mm. is that, I mean, uh, worship is all of life, is one of our um, uh, values as a church. So what what did you think in terms of, I mean, sorry, I'm just thinking of that idea of, um, what did he call it, redemptive entrepreneurship. Do you think yeah. that's what in a sense? What did he mean when he said that? I don't know, I, just, I only just had a look then, but. Uh, supporting founders, funders, innovators, motivated by their faith to address major major issues of our time. So that sounds like influencing the culture from a Christian perspective. Well, that's what's interesting because that's sort of what we're trying to do at Solis and what the PhD is about about how to how to influence culture rather than just be a be sort of I don't know. It's just sort of I find it strangely empowering to think that as Christians we can we can continue to stand on the gospel and what we do is creative. I think mm. it's yeah, it's a nice way of seeing. The ministry we do and often when you hear that though i think some people would automatically go to being how can i influence politically i don't know why that's a thing but in terms of like christians influencing politically but what else could that be and like what what mm. thoughts did you have around that because i i mean i really appreciate your position on a christian when it comes in regards to politics i think you do a really great job of a lot of people think oh you just have to be one side or the other but i think you do a great job of saying well you're a christian first and how can mm. you be an evangelical in those situations oh, thanks joel oh, no, i know I've, I've learned a lot from you in regards to that but how did you in terms of what you're reading how did you think mm. um, not just political how else can christians do that well crouch's book's interesting it kind of answers the question a bit because he's talking about four key functions of cultivating culture creating culture and critiquing and consuming culture. So I find that interesting. So, oh, I mean, okay. I've just started reading him this week, so I wouldn't consider myself an expert on his thought. But mm -hmm. um, I think it's an interesting thing to remember, as we have said in previous podcasts, that some Christians become political, angry mm -hmm. evangelicals that become politically motivated uh, on right-wing issues uh, are what Marsden terms fundamentalists. Yep. But then we've also talked about... Christians who can get angry and be energised by left-wing political issues. And whether we're right or wrong, we've kind of phrased that as probably sitting somewhere within the progressive Christian movement. And I'm sure people from the fundamentalist and progressive 
movements might disagree with us on this, but we're actually trying to see evangelicalism as a distinctive that evangelicals are people of the book, people of the word of God, and we are sharing the word of God and that we see the culture shaping coming from the word of God so that as we sit under the authority of the word of God together as a Christian community, we're actually seeking to uh, put the teachings of the word of God into practice. So, for example, we don't build culture, we don't create culture, which is something I might end up... Um, Changing your mind on? I might, <laughs> but um, I think it's actually... Yeah, it's about us expressing who we are rather than making who we are. So, in other like words... expressing our Christian identity. Yeah, well, so, so on the cross, Christ reconciled us to each other yep. as well as reconciling us to God. So he reconciled us to God and he reconciled us to each other. And so we are brothers and sisters. Mm. And so we are... When you become a Christian, you become brothers and sisters with all the other Christians. Uh, now, when you come together, you're not building church, you're actually expressing the reality and trying to see how well you can express that reality. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we as Christians get a bit loose with our language and we talk about building the church or, uh, you know, um, that gets expressed in, in things like when people say, I don't really feel part of the church. And it's almost like I'm not part of the church because I don't feel like I'm part of the church. Well, theologically, I am part of the church, whether I feel like yep. I'm not or not. Yep. And it's actually Christ who's building the church and we're just doing our bit in the partnership with Christ as he builds the church. Mm, so, to serve him and serve others. Yeah, yeah so I think he's, he's, he's building the church and we're, mm. we're seeking to partner with mm. him. That's kind of where I'm going with mm. it. So I might be being a bit pedantic, but that's, that's something that occurred to me this week. Well, it makes sense what you're saying because I'm actually writing an essay just for the Certificate of Theology on yep. spiritual gifts. And yep. I found a really helpful uh, part where John Piper talks about, it's like because we're saved by grace alone, that the Spirit is using our gifts to distribute that grace amongst mm, the rest go. of the church. Yeah, that's the same kind of Yeah, so that I kind mindset. of echoed, it echoes a lot with what you were just saying there. Yeah. But, um, uh, what about cult of, like, because there you're trying to, I think you're trying to say if we express ourselves as I, I, uh, as a Christian identity, we're not actually creating culture. Do we think we cultivate culture, though? Because that was the other thing you were saying. Yeah, I don't know yet. And this is what's <laughs> okay. good about this podcast. It's fun talking about things that, um, that we're, we're trying to think through. Yeah, what does that mean? And I think I think it's really interesting to include people who are listening and watching to in the conversation, too. So mm. it's good if you've got any thoughts. But, yeah, I think I think the cool thing, though, is that we don't just consume culture or critique it, that there's... a creativeness in the in the church i mean i just look around on any one gathering and just see people um who are actively obeying the, the one and other passages of scripture so they're carrying each other's burdens they're encouraging each other they're building each other up and as that happens that's creating behaviors and cultures that come from our values mm from the Bible. So seeking to have a healthy biblical culture I think is a really exciting idea. And yeah, we can get into the minutiae of do we create it or does God create it, I suppose. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, as we are attempting to live out our faith faithfully amongst each other in church and as a church outside of our gatherings as we go into different contexts to share our faith with others and live amongst other people. It's just exciting if people go, wow, you guys are different. 
you've got a you've got a different culture to what I expected. Mm. I didn't expect to see some of the richness. Now we've got to be careful not to have what's called an over-realized eschatology, where we can't bring heaven down to earth and live now like we will in heaven because we're still sinful. So the word over-realized eschatology, if you haven't heard of that before, is eschatology is kind of talk pointing us to the end times about how we'll be living in eternity. And an over-realized eschatology is having too high our expectation of how good the church is now. So one of the things that can actually be super discouraging for Christians is if we expect everybody to be really godly and loving and encouraging. And then when Christians do the wrong thing, sometimes that's heartbreaking and mm. can even lead some people, sometimes rightly, to go, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can hang around here anymore in the church or whatever. But, uh, you know, and that's led to some deconstructionist impulses where people are saying the church actually is so flawed and, and broken that maybe we need to go back to first principles and try and think it all up again. I suppose what I'm thinking is, we can't have an over-realised eschatology in that we can't expect the church to be anything but a group of sinners who've come to Christ and are being shaped by him and the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us to become more like Christ as individuals and as a body. And we can have expectations of godliness. We're seeking to be holy and we should be striving to be godly. But at the same time, if we have an over-realised expectation of that, we can get very discouraged. Now, my... My father's from Yorkshire, um, and he's he's uh, he says to me he's actually in danger of the opposite problem, having an underrealized eschatology yeah. because he's like <laughs> he's from Yorkshire, and the way that expresses itself is when I was young he said to me when I was young Stu, when a Christian does the right thing be surprised, <laughs> and I'm like oh I thought we should expect each other to do the right yeah. thing, and he said well my view is we're all sinners so if someone actually does the right thing they're not actually behaving the way that they used to and Christ has changed them to, to live a better way. So um, whether people take that up or not, that kind of view, what it's done for me is it's meant that I haven't, have, I haven't had an over-realised eschatology so that, yeah, I get disappointed in the church sometimes but I realise I'm part of the church yeah. and, and we're all setting the culture and we're all sinful. So, uh, yeah, to... to to actually remember we're doing this for Jesus and and he's the head of the church, he's the cornerstone of the church, gives me a great deal of encouragement because he's building something and we're partnering with him as he builds it. And it's not finished yet. And while we're here on earth, we're going to live in this now, not yet tension of we're not in heaven yet, but we're saved. Yep. So uh, why are we here? So that we can tell other people about Jesus. So uh, I don't know if that helps, but that's how I see it. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you were saying... Before, like you, you look at it in any gathering we had, and and you feel encouraged to see that people are actually trying yeah. to live, live out in a, in obedience yep. what the Bible actually says. And yeah. even I thought about that uh, maybe not last Sunday, the Sunday before when we were all having church mm -hmm. after dinner. I'm like, there's like at least 120 people here all having dinner together and just spending time with each other. And I thought that really encouraged me. I just, I just, that's a really special part of living together as Christians. Yeah. So that was cool. So yeah, cool. yeah, uh, yeah. The other one that I thought of was. Um, I don't know where I read this, but you know how there's often quoted as the uh, divorce rate is 50% mm. of marriages end, you know, 50% of marriages end. But then it was interesting, it was um, someone, I can't, I cannot remember who, who said it, but they were saying that there's all these different factors that would come back towards basically saying, oh, that drops, drops dramatically. So if one person is going to any kind of religious um, uh, service, 
that the, it drops to this amount of percentage. And then if both are going or have religious beliefs, then it drops again. And then if both of those, the parent, people in the couple, are um, going to a church where they enjoy going, it drops to like, like the, the likelihood of them getting divorced like drops down to like five percent or something like that so i feel really? like that's yeah I didn't know that. yeah it was really fascinating um i don't, okay, I don't know i, I thought, need to find that uh, yeah right have a look for it because i've thought for years the divorce rates in the church were pretty similar to the maybe rest i could of the world. i could be wrong too yeah. so and it could have been an it's american statistic yeah well it's a good thing for us to check out so, so i don't want to say like i'm that is correct um no, you're just chucking it out there yeah but uh, like i feel like that is perhaps like another thing of what uh, crouch is talking about of like it is a way of you influencing the culture, but through obedience to God and trying to trying to live out what He are, He wants us to do. So yeah, well, I, I just think personally, like I get great deal of encouragement and support and motivation from my church in my marriage, and mm. my marriage is mm. with Lou has been greatly enhanced by being in the church and being a Christian. Well, as of all of our lives, oh. we have been very encouraged by having yeah, yeah. you and Lou. Yeah, yeah. Encourage all of us. Yeah, well, I've, yeah, I think it's mutual. That's uh, good. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good example of, you know, there is is a great deal to enjoy about being Christians now. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't want to have an under-realised eschatology. Yeah. Like, the church actually is, maybe actually in our day and age, people tend to put the boot into the church a lot for a lot of good reasons, you know, probably. But, but yeah, we can't forget about some of the really beautiful things about what it is to be a part of a community mm-hmm. where... There's a group of people who are striving to follow the Lord together. It's pretty special. Yeah, I think you're right. And I have a pretty high level respect for that lifestyle. Yeah, of a Christian lifestyle. Is that what you mean? It's probably a good thing. I respect your Christian lifestyle. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Stu. <laughs> um, so we, you were talking about being a family and as a body. Yeah. Uh, uh, we mentioned it last week with Tim that uh, Eric emailed in. And he also followed me up because he saw Tim at house conference yep. and said, I've emailed Joel and he hasn't replied. So I do <laughs> apologise for that, Eric. But we have one here. In house conference for those that don't know. Yes, it's a, oh, a plug. I've got to remember this because as Tim talked about it last week, it was a conference that YouthWorks do where they get a couple of speakers in. Mm-hmm. But they also take some papers or some research papers and then take time to discuss it and dissect it. Uh, and their theme for it was uh, discipling emotions this year so um many youth pastors and children's pastors go but also senior ministers sometimes drop mm. in and stuff like that so excellent uh we did talk about tim and i saying that if we could take a delegation of soul revival church members or uh, staff members at least to the to it at some point it'd be pretty cool but um anyway he thought he <laughs> eric was telling tim that he should he hasn't answered my emails because he sent two so we're going to answer one right now two emails two John. emails i apologize i think because one was about four views of youth ministry so we'll maybe get back to that yes yeah, but um he wanted eric wanted to email in and talk about uh or remembers actually playing schlocker the, yeah. the crazy triangle yeah, yeah. You know, we actually talked about with um when Braden and ethan were on oh okay all right uh the crazy triangular shaped game with so many different sports it's crazy yeah, and, yeah. and people always end up getting injured you know <laughs> three teams <laughs> yeah three three sides to the, the yeah yes yeah, so there's three teams uh and one of one of the versions of slocker was uh back in the days of the soul revival treehouse yes which uh was narrabeen church is that right men i anglican and guy me anglican is that right? Is that the tree house? And fig tree. Oh, and fig tree. Yes. Okay, so fig tree obviously might not, not might not have been able. To they make might th- not have been. Yeah, they might not have been in the tree house at that time. Okay, yeah. so Eric said there was three teams of the Narrabeen, Menai, and Gomir. 
um, and he said he had a good time. He actually reintroduced it at a youth camp last year, yeah. which is which is pretty cool because they did have three different teams. It was a great time, lots of fun, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but he did want to use that as an, uh, a way of asking this question of recollections and philosophy around the treehouse because yeah. that okay. was a networking yes. um, way of networking with other churches and partnering with other yeah, churches. It was. Uh, I, I, uh, early on, I had quite a, an excitement for digging in in a local church and to um, be committed to my local church and thought to myself, well, while we're committed to the local church, wouldn't it be great if our local church is also connected to other local churches and other ministries? So the idea we always had at Soul Revival was to partner with others as we um, were committed to serving Jesus together. So that took a lot of different shapes over the years. Uh, we at one stage were invited down to Tasmania to help Tasmania to set up a Tasmanian youth convention. And we sent along a team for a number of years. Yep, I went to that. You. you did? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that was a really great experience. We also were invited down to South Australia to work with Hope Valley Community Church in a number of their conferences they kind of helped to put together down there. And as a result, I got asked to speak at the South Australia Bible College also did some stuff with some other Bible colleges, Youth Works included, uh, on youth ministry. We developed a partnership with Papua New Guinea where we were helping them uh, for a little while and they were, they were helping us. We came alongside them and we together, they, they, uh, the, the Evangelical Church of Papua New Guinea is a, an indigenous church in Papua New Guinea that was set up by pioneers back in the day. And we were invited by Pastor Hanger Bear to help them to set up a youth department so we went up there on a number of trips to help with them with that which was very exciting and other than that we just had friendships with churches around the place so in sydney um menai anglican through chris hudson came and asked us if we would like to do stuff together and then we met a guy called chris eggins at narrabeen and he was keen to do some stuff together and dave ritfield from fig tree and basically the 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 that group of leaders, we were really good friends and we used to spend a lot of time thinking about youth ministry. There was a concept at the time called Toward a Theology of Youth Ministry. So there was a real sense in the 90s of young leaders feeling equipped and given permission to think about how to do youth ministry in new ways. And so in Australia, in Sydney at least, we had this sense of, yes, we were connected to the you know the, a lot of the different thoughts on philosophical thoughts on youth ministry from America and England particularly and other places too. But we also felt uh, like what does it mean to be a, an Australian youth ministry experience and what does it look like to express ourselves as Christians? And it's kind of related to this culture setting thing in a way. It's like what, is, what does our culture as a Christian church look like? And so we talked a lot about that. We had a few conferences where we spoke at each other's churches and things. And then over time we got excited to say, well, we're all really excited about the local church and our youth ministries. We're sharing ideas. What if we thought of ourselves as a bit of a movement and we thought, but what does that look like? Who would be in charge? And all this sort of conversation used to go around. We spent hours talking about that kind of stuff. And anyway, one of us, I can't remember who, came up with this idea of a treehouse. And we thought to ourselves, what we liked about that was it was a very Australian methodology and an Australian idea that we understood back in our day uh, growing up as Gen Xers. I don't know if it's still a relevant thing now. I've got no idea. but Probably too dangerous. Probably. Back in the day, <laughs> kids on the street would play on the street, play football mm. and uh, across cricket. each other's gardens. Play, we played, played cricket. We played street. cricket mm. for hours. 
Uh, I still see memes today where some Gen X is smugly right. You know, they put a picture of a dark sky with a with a with a light on, you know, street light, and they'll smugly right. Oh, who remembers what this stood for? Because the the saying back in the day when we were kids growing up was um, our parents would just say, "I'll oh, come home when the street lights come on." So right, that was a yeah. sign, "Come yeah. home for dinner." Yeah. And then, you know, smugly, Gen X is right. Oh, as if young people do that today, you know, yeah. they're so... This, co- this country's gone to the dogs. Oh, <laughs> it's gone to the dogs. They're wrapped in cotton wool. And I think to myself every time I read that, yeah, but we're the ones who are the parents now. and We're the ones... Yeah. It's actually our parents that were the yeah. heroes letting us go out and play because we don't let our kids do that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's so another actually, conversation. Yeah, it's, it's your fault, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Gen X, there you go. Uh, so where am I going with this? Basically... Trying to say it might not be your experience, but our experience was we would go as kids in primary school, go play, and we'd build tree houses together. Mm-hmm. So someone would go and get a hammer and nails from dad's or mum's shed. They, you know, mum or dad or one of the aunties and uncles might even come and help uh, build a tree house in a tree somewhere. And then we'd knock up a tree. But the thing about the tree house, which was really good, was not just that sense of adventure, but young people making stuff together, asking the adults to help them. So there's gener- intergenerational cooperation in the treehouse. But the really cool bit is no one owned it. So everyone would go to the treehouse, but no one felt like it was theirs. Now, sometimes they were even built on people's properties, but when you build something together, it's all our treehouse. And I lived on a block of land that backed onto the bush, so we'd build treehouses in the bush all the time. And so we thought, wouldn't it be a cool metaphor for the things that we were doing in the 90s, uh, being a treehouse together? In other words, when we come together as different churches, it's not like any of us own this movement or are leading it. We're just all doing it together and it's actually being led by Jesus. And we got further inspiration for that from the Jesus movement of the 1970s where uh, a whole heap of young people, and they were baby boomers uh, <laughs> back in the day, uh, you know, this massive movement. And the movie The Jesus Revolution celebrates that. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's well worth a look if you haven't seen that movie yet. Uh, there was this youthful expression of cooperation amongst uh, all these young people but yeah the generations came together in that as well but there wasn't just one leader it was like there was all these people doing this so we thought wouldn't that be cool if something like that happened again even on a small scale and it did we had a small scale little Jesus movement of four well three then four churches and we got together for a thing called the Josiah Festival and we had a little festival together and it was just a really lovely way. But I remember the conversations. as We were, we were really convinced about it as youth leaders, as youth ministers, sorry. But when we came to talk to our youth leaders about it, it was so weird because in each of the churches we said, hey, we've got this excitement for this thing called the treehouse. Let's do it. Let's all go back to our churches and convince our youth leaders it's a good idea or see what they reckon. <laughs> but we all kind of wanted to convince them. <laughs> but when we had those conversations, there were so many people going, why would we do that? Okay. And we're like, oh, I don't know, because it's fun. <laughs> Because we're really enjoying being like, friends. Oh, like, these youth ministers. <laughs> yeah, but then they're like, well, what's in it for our church if we hang out with that other church? Oh, I was like, where did that come from? I, I, that question never crossed my mind. So we went through those sort of conversations and then we had joint meetings where all the youth leaders came together and they were the really interesting part of the experiment because all these youth leaders are like, there, there was like nearly, probably nearly 100 youth leaders all trying to work out how do we how do we do something together and why would we do something together and who cares, what's it going to do? But, yeah, these real pragmatic questions like what's it going to achieve or how's it going to help our church or why do we need to do that? But the impulse from the youth ministers was, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we all got together and expressed this reality we have in our churches from time to time together as well? And, you know, we'd seen things like Katoomba Youth Convention, there was Black Stump back in the day, there was... 
you know, big gatherings of young people that we really used to enjoy. And we thought, you know, so actually that's the other thing. Some people said, well, there's already Katoomba. Why do we have to do this as well? Yeah, it's like right. that wasn't our question. Ours was why not? Why not have fun? And the outcome was that we had some really great friendships made across the different churches. Yeah, so, so that was really fun. And that was the treehouse. And so the theology behind it was just um, let's express what we are as Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, we, we're part of the Catholic Church, which is through time and across the world, all the people gathered in heaven will be a great multitude. So let's not over-realise that now, but let's not under-realise it by never getting to hang out with each other. And it just strikes me as interesting that we have all these churches around and we do sometimes find it really hard to get together because of theological concerns. And I don't want to underplay how important that is. But even when you get groups of Christian churches that don't have any theological differences, there's sometimes this sense of, I don't know, there's a little bit of a standoffishness that can come from if I do something with that church, are they going to take our young people or they might like that church more than our church or that church. I don't know. There's some of those kind of more sinful thoughts come to our minds and not sometimes not sinful, sometimes just pragmatic. How did you ask people to kind of rethink that attitude of, or oh, what are, what are really we going to, what are we going to get out of it? And it's like, well, it's just going to be fun. We're just thinking like that. That was your initial reaction. Well, behind it, there was a. I was really committed to it. I'm just thinking about it now. Like I was really, really committed to the treehouse. I really was excited about it, and I think it was. For me, I saw kingdom outcomes in it that were good for our community of Christian believers, and also good for other communities of Christian believers. I think I got excited that some churches that were a bit smaller than us might actually get some more momentum from from it i think there's a sense that we're doing this together not wanting to get anything out of it i think i was excited to to talk about why don't we just do some things that aren't necessarily good for us so that we can do stuff for others that can serve and help them um i also think what drove me was looking around we we're already noticing that attendances of young people in churches was slipping Mm. And I don't think we thought what we were doing was a silver bullet to fix that. But I felt at the time that unless we looked for new expressions of doing youth ministry in an Australian way that were theologically sound, then that would be a good place to experiment for the gospel. And through iterative design of trying something and then learning from that and then doing something better the next time I thought maybe we could come up with some new ideas too because I hadn't really seen any new ideas come since the 70s so by the 90s it had been I mean there were new ideas that had come but I hadn't seen a lot of difference in my local church during that period of time so mm. I, I think I was kind of interested in trying new things mm. and see if we could come up with new ways of doing stuff and you've also talked about consumerism and individualism do you think that was playing a part in it too it's like oh I've, I've just this church is for me and no one else yeah oh i don't know about no one else but i think oh you're not no one else but not another church yeah don't have that treading on it's interesting isn't it it's sort of like a form of well we're here and their problems are their problems but oh we don't like, want to share in the problem maybe yeah. i don't know like we're sort of thinking coming together was so encouraging because you can be a youth minister and you can be working really hard in the kingdom and can be quite lonely as well so there was like a friendship that we had with each other that was quite uh, helpful um, 
It's just sharing how, how difficult that can be sometimes. There's a real commitment to Jesus and a commitment to each other and yet it can be very difficult and very lonely. And I think one of the things that motivates me for this podcast actually is it's really fun just to share ideas and know that there's other people that are thinking about it at the mm. same time too. So I'm hoping this podcast gives people a sense in a small way that, yeah, why, I, I think we all have permission in our local areas to try new things and to share the ideas and mm. cherry pick good ideas from other people and leave the stuff we don't like. I think that's a really healthy process. Yeah, yeah I think on that, um, Eric actually asked a second question. Yeah. In regards to especially... Braden and Ethan, when they were on here, talked about being friends as a team first, as a ministry yep. team first, yep. before inviting uh, the crew to be part yep. of that in terms of a youth group. Um, he's really enjoying that idea of, of having friendship in the ministry teams, but it's finding, in his particular context, hard to change the culture where a team is very diverse and there's a there's a tendency to head home once the ministry's done. Yeah, you know, there's like, yeah. there's always a, a, a I mean, thing that I've really valued or learnt to value at Sora Bible is that when I was part of the youth team, we would debrief for maybe at least half an hour to kind of, as friends, go, oh, what, what, how did this go for you? Was this, was this difficult? Was did you have a good night? Did you have not have a good? Night? Oh, this person became a Christian, like all those yeah, kind of things. Yeah. So how would, how would you perhaps? Um, let Eric know of a way that you might be able to start forging those friendships? I think that's a really helpful question, Eric. And I asked that question when I first started out in ministry as well because we were plugging away at a youth group and we were really excited to be out doing some new things, as I said, but, yeah, none of the young crew thought they wanted to come. And uh, we basically... Uh, none of us had really been trained how to use the Bible. So one day we just had a cup of tea together and we're all flicking through passages in the Bible to see if God had some answers to some of our problems. And we came across Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40. And what struck us was there Jesus has been asked, what's the most important thing? And he says, uh, love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. And basically paraphrasing. And uh, when they pressure him and ask him, who are the other people we're supposed to love? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan says that everyone's your neighbour, not just your friends, your people like you. So that's a new culture. That's pretty exciting. And so to us, we were thinking, actually, what we were doing with youth ministry was we weren't really putting God first and then putting each other first and then inviting other people to be a part of that. We were kind of seeing churches, what we did when we had time, and we were all pretty honest about it. And we'd sort of say, you know, if something more important comes up, we'd miss church and you know, go to church when we can. And if we had time, we'd go to a Bible study. And if we had time, we'd do the youth group for a little while and then pass it on to someone else. So we were seeing it as an event to organise rather than a community to be a part of. And maybe we had an under-realised eschatology, like maybe we weren't actually expressing and learning from Jesus how to love God and put him first and love others. Now, we can't have an over-realised eschatology and think you know, that we can love god like christ did and love others as christ did but what we thought what we took away was this let's put god first and let's put each other um you know and love each other and be committed to each other and together preach the gospel so others could come to be a part of that so for us the way we expressed it was rather than running a youth group what if we are a peer group now, in John fifteen fifteen, Jesus says, I no longer call you friends. Sorry, I'll start again. 
In John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends, if you do what I say, which is love one another. And so Jesus is a different kind of friend because he is our Lord. But he calls us into this intimate relationship with himself that in the New Testament letters are unpacked more in phrases like family or body of Christ or uh, being built into a spiritual house. Whatever it is, Jesus is always in that metaphor. So, you know, Jesus is either head of the body or the cornerstone of the house. But what we see in those analogies as well as Jesus's call to friendship is this putting God first means then we are very connected with each other. So a body is very connected, a house is very connected, a family is very connected. And you are in a family. You don't have to earn your right to be in a family. You're actually in the family. And then you express the reality of that family. So we're in a family because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so that means we're in a friendship group, according to John 15, 15 as well, according to what Jesus has done for us. And he's the reason we're in that friendship group. And it's a different kind of friendship group. It's about serving not just about mm. all liking going to the movies together or going surfing or whatever it might be so jesus is saying if you want to be friends with me you love one another as i've loved you so we thought as a group what if we stop just running a group for the teenagers that they're the community but we actually be a community with jesus and invite them to be a part of that community so we felt like that was a new thing i don't know if it was or not but in the 90s we hadn't heard of that kind of thought we felt that it was a bit radical and a bit countercultural because and a bit creative actually in terms of andy crouch maybe maybe mm. not i'll have to look into it but um when when you start thinking you're a group of friends then we'll actually let's express the one another passages towards each other and let's minister to each other and then together minister to the teenagers. Now, we're their leaders first, but we're their friends second, and we have a sense that they're going to grow up into that group. So a group of youth leaders who are running a group for teenagers might not be that committed to each other, but a friendship group that are bringing the kids up into that friendship group, well, they're committed to each other. Yep. And I think and that... They see that on, on the personal you experience. It? You see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I think there's a bit of FOMO goes on. The teenagers <laughs> like, oh, I want to be part of that friendship group, you know. And then when you do fun things like a treehouse, they're like, man, you guys are crazy. What did you do that for? Like, And when we'd get together, we'd have a lot of fun. It was very joyous. And we did silly things like take a pool table with us to the Josiah mm -hmm. Festival and set it up on the grass, even though it rained. We are playing pool in the rain. and <laughs> Play you know, schlocker. Dumb, yeah, schlocker. <laughs> dumb stuff that people do like that. But people find that hilarious and it's creative. Oh, It's not just trying to look like the world and try and copy the world and be as cool as the world. It's like mm -hmm. we just do fun stuff we think of as well and we don't have to try and convince anybody else that, that it's cool. We're just enjoying it. The kids are like, man, this is sick. There's a creativity. There's a vibrancy. There's, but it does cost. So loving others is a costly thing, and that's why I think Jesus uses the analogy of the Good Samaritan to describe that, that you love even your enemies, and you take the time to bind up the wounds of someone you find on the side of the road. So, so for us, it was like a very much, and we still do that to this day. I say to all our youth leaders, if the kids turn up, it's a bonus. So on a Friday, yep. get together, do stuff that you love, read the Bible, hang out, really enjoy each other's company and invite the kids into that. Now, how do you retrofit that to a youth group where leaders are already... Yeah, how, how do you, like, spark that? How do you spark that when they're already not... Well, it's it, it can be confronting because people go, well, what are you saying? You want me to be best friends with these people that I don't even like? Well, similar to the actual treehouse. 
Yeah, well, it's, well it's like that with, yeah, like the youth leaders. Well, why do we go and hang out with that group? Oh, because of the Good Samaritan. <laughs> <laughs> because they're our neighbours. Like, let's, yeah. you know, we are called to dig in in a local community that is connected to the whole. So, so I think, yeah, I think it's like through conversation, actually. I think it's like throw out an idea and say to the youth leaders, what would it look like if we flipped this? Instead of teaching the kids to live like this, what if we lived it? What if we taught ourselves to do it and we live it? And they see and and invite them. Yeah, you the don't have to, see them living that. You out. don't have to yeah. use the analogy of John fifteen fifteen. You can use, um, you know, the ecclesiology of a family or or a body. One Corinthians twelve, because commi- that's where I've been doing my song. One on. Corinthians twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's such rich language in the New Testament about about our relationships mm. together that are not just. When, see, the thing is, we we realise that when we run a youth group, it was like we were turning up to a part time job at Macca's. You don't really know everyone on your shift. You're just kind of pleasant strangers and then you go home. And there's no expectation of long-term relationship. It's just sometimes you become friends with people at work, but sometimes you don't. So I think that's where youth ministry sort of ended up fitting. And I asked the question, why? Another thing you can do is say, why are we so estranged from one another? Why aren't we closer? And then get people to sort of go, well, because I don't have time. Okay. Well, is that what the church is? Like just to be pleasant strangers and kind of not really be part of one another's lives. Aren't we called to build one another up and carry one another's burdens and not give up the habit of meeting? Not together? give up the habit of meeting together. All those beautiful things and um, you know we're connected to the vine and we're just the branches. But if we think about it that way too, there's another connective metaphor. So, so I think that's a way of. Uh, starting a conversation and this is also where I think the connection between people in a network can be helpful because you can be point you can be thinking about that in a number of different contexts and people can be sharing their stories and stories are very powerful mm. to hear people's stories so I mean we've talked before about uh, the the shock absorber network which got a bit delayed because of COVID and, and that but we've still got a bit of a passion to one day oh you know i'd really like to think we'd do another treehouse kind of restart the treehouse yeah i'd like to do that again and you know i think that shock absorber network idea we've got is a similar thing another podcast maybe but we did try it again in 2008 with a different kind of a slant uh the treehouse only lasted a couple of years but then um people moved on youth ministers went to different places and stuff so Moving leadership within churches can make these sorts of movements hard. But in 2008, we, we got together with about 20 churches and we actually called that the Jesus Revolution, the Soul Revival Jesus Revolution. And that, that was a really great time too, yeah. a similar kind of vibe. So, yeah, it's kind of in our DNA to be friends with other churches and enjoy that. But maybe not every church sees it as important. And, it, and there's no one way of expressing our faith. It's not like we have to do that. But I think if there's a a network conversation amongst youth leaders or youth ministers that then turns into relationships between churches that are organic and of their making. There's not another parachurch organisation who's got us together. There's not a denomination that's necessarily got us together. I think there's something lovely and organic about people reaching out to each other from different churches, from the base, from the grassroots and saying, hey, it'd be pretty cool if we got together and... I think that would be a good thing. One other thing I'd say too is it might have come naturally to me because back in the 80s, the late 80s and early 90s, there was still a Christian music scene in Sydney. Mm. And that's kind of seen as a bit daggy and dated these days. It's less likely to have a Christian band and more likely to have Christians in a band. But what got lost was the Christian voice that we had in the 80s, that young people would go to a Christian concert uh, to hear music that they loved and hear 
uh, lyrics that were theirs. And I think we've kind of not really looked enough into what we've lost by seeing that Christian music scene evaporate. I mean, I met my wife Lou at one of those concerts and she went to Cronulla Baptist Church and I went to Gaimi Anglican and we would never have met each other if it wasn't for that concert. So, yeah, I think there's new ways of networking these days and I think it's up to the younger generation to decide how they're going to do it. But I do think we need to try and always just keep that question, would it be a good thing if we reach out to the church around the corner? I wonder who's there. I wonder what they think. Mm. I wonder what their youth leaders are like. Is there any needs that they have that we might be able to help them with? And it's just nice. It's just friendly. It's just being a Christian. You know, It's just not to get anything out of it or start a, a network or a movement necessarily. But you know, if there's, there's someone who doesn't know how to use their Proclaim software at their church, maybe there's someone around the corner who's worked out that and they can share their stuff. Uh, even that would be a fun thing. But, yeah, I personally like meeting with other people who love youth and love youth ministry. It's mm. really exciting. Mm. That's cool. And it's where a lot of lot of thing, a lot of of change happens. Yeah. Which is cool. And as Ian Sue says, I mean, within Soul Revival, we have a little bit of this because we've got a, a you know, three churches in the Shire that are mostly Anglo, is a mostly, mostly Anglo area in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney South. And we've uh, got a new church plan in Ride and our ride church plant mostly has people from a Chinese background. And one of the things that one of the members of the ride church at Soul Revival Ride says, Ian, he says he thinks that when people see people from the other side of Sydney meeting together and they see people of different backgrounds meeting together, it brings glory to God. Mm. Because people say, why are you doing that? There's actually, and this is what flips that whole earlier conversation. If youth leaders go, why should we be close because it might bring glory to God because people yeah. might see these people who are really close and they're really close with these young people that they lead in very appropriate ways and that has to be thought through with safe ministry and that but you know when you see those people having heaps of fun together and you're not used to seeing it it brings glory to God because people yeah. say why why are you friends with each other because of Jesus mm. like that's really cool mm. Yeah, I think it's good, and uh, yeah, like you said, asking why. I think that's really why. Why don't we want to do that, or why don't we? Yeah. Why do we find that a difficult thing to talk about? I suppose with Eric too, like if he wants to ask that why as a leadership team with his leaders, that maybe you can just organize a time where it's not around the usual things that you're doing. Maybe like organize yeah. a barbecue or a picnic yeah, or something, yeah. and, yeah, that's and you a can really just good say, point. "I just want to talk. Well, let's talk about this as a team." Yeah. And, then and, that, and that's what, sorry so, to interrupt. Go so we'll just start trying to make some small little changes from there. Yeah. Well, the way we started was if we're going to run the youth group on Friday night and we're going to be mates, I mean, we wanted to go all in. We're Gen Xers. We're like, let's just go crazy. <laughs> but we said, let's hang out every Saturday night as mates. That's how we did it. And I'm not saying that's the way to do it all the time, but it certainly was a really fast track towards building a friendship group because back in my generation Saturday night was where you hung out with your friends so if you hung out with each other on Saturday night it gave a very clear message to everybody that this is something that's really important mm. and that was a fun thing we tried which worked in our context but yeah the, the idea of this podcast is like to ask you guys the questions like what would you do to build a friendship group out of your leadership team be fascinating to hear what yeah. thoughts people have no definitely you can, you can there I go again I just use what would you do to build a friendship group out of your leadership team I just <laughs> <laughs> contradicted what I said earlier. It's like, what would you do to express the relationships you have in Christ in yeah. your leadership team? Well, I anyway, think it's good that you, you corrected yourself. I got, a, I got a bit loose there too. Well, the thing is that we talked about uh, we talked about uh, Lancaster Bombers yes, and uh, night, night Raiders and you talked, yes. about, oh, not, talked about how how do people get together and 
do something together. Yeah. And then we've yeah. talked about networking. Same glad thing. You, I'm glad you tricked me into <laughs> thinking about <laughs> me too. But then also in, in terms of by, by doing that, what Andy Crouch is talking about is you influence culture. Yeah. However it yeah. is, whether it's yeah. creating, cultivating, yeah. We, yeah, and we've yeah. got to you got to try and pass that out. But that that's what I think you're talking about. Well, here's it? the fun thing. On Saturday nights when we used to get together, we used to have bands come and play, mm. and we didn't used to drink alcohol. Mm. And a lot of these bands came from other places that where people used to... They weren't used to seeing young adults hanging together as Christians without alcohol. And so people would go, are you guys drinking? No, we're just hanging out. Oh, okay, that's weird. Jesus is my drug. Because <laughs> <laughs> every Saturday... <laughs> that's right. Because every Saturday night we didn't drink. We just hung out because we had teenagers there. So we were like, let's just not drink. So anyway, we got these concerts going and there was one concert that they used to be so much fun because we used to mosh back in the day, which I still think is my preferred dancing style because I can't I got no rhythm so just running into other people was terrific and we all had long hair and head banging and there was <laughs> hair everywhere and you know sweaty t-shirt teenagers and young adults wearing flannelette shirts head banging to rock and roll is, is a pretty cool thing and we'd have like 200 people packed into small spaces because we didn't have enough money to get big spaces and so there'd be like these these small gigs of like 200 people but everyone's packed in heaps of energy crowd surfing stage diving you know people getting you know, right into it. And it became so famous that Christians were telling their friends about it. Oh, I went to this mad place where all these dudes, I'm not, I'm not used to seeing Christian teenagers be so uninhibited and yeah, right. so confident that they just dance like that. Anyway, one night this band came, which was one of our regulars called Belvedere Blues, and really big shout out to Dave Stone Street and Spike and all the crew from Belvedere Blues. They were fantastic. But Spike was an, a professional muso and he was so impressed with how hard we moshed to their music that he had a friend who was playing a gig in Sydney at the entertainment center for some massive name I don't know who it was but it was like it was like oh, I don't know someone like Prince or you know someone like um Kylie you know, Minogue oh no bigger than that like so, <laughs> bigger big, than that. fully big American band came yeah, out okay. and he, he was just in a gig playing on stage for this massive band as a drummer and then he came back to Solis to play at Solis because he'd heard that we were we used to go pretty hard and he was going nuts on this drum kit and everyone was screaming, yelling, laughing and because it was our drum kit, dudes were pouring water onto the drum so there was water going everywhere and he's bashing away and then people started chucking coke around and it was just going, it was out of control but in a godly way. And, and this guy's just like, mate, I preferred that gig <laughs> to this big entertainment city yeah. centre gig. And uh, I think it was Prince actually, something like that. Wow. And he was just like, this was heaps of fun. So we felt really encouraged by that because it's like, do you really need to copy the culture of the world to try and say that that's where the action is? Well, the action's in the church and we really love Jesus. We really love each other. Mm. And when the person who got up to talk at the gig held the Bible up, we all sat down and listened to a 30-minute talk about something from the Bible. And that night people became Christians too. So this drummer's like man, I've never seen anything like this. But now I'm not saying that's something that everyone has to do and or that they'd want to do, but that, that was a cultural expression that came out of our love for Christ and hanging out together regularly. So I think saying to youth leaders, this is a chance for us to be creative and have fun is a really cool thing. Yep, I think that's a perfect way, that story is a perfect way to end on, on that episode. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joel. I really enjoyed it. Always enjoy your wisdom uh, <laughs> and <laughs> on many things, actually. Uh, thank you very much to everyone listening as well. And if you do have any comments or questions, you can email me at joel at shockazorba.com.au. If you are interested in the idea of building a network with us. Or expressing. Expressing, sorry, you should say expressing 
a network together. No, what what would you say? You would building really a say network exp- to express our Ooh. Christian. We'd love to hear your thoughts online. Yeah. What do you think? How do you express that? Yeah, yeah I think good, that's good, a good idea. Good but anyway, idea. if you want to get together in a network, I think. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to think about a network, email me joel at shockersorbit.com.au and we'll get sorted. Um, we'll get it sorted for you. You can come visit us. We'll come visit you. We'll discuss things on the mm-hmm. phone, whatever, whatever is required. Chuck a comment in YouTube if you're interested in that as well. Uh, thank you to Eric as well for sending in Thanks, that Eric. thought-provoking question. And we can, question. we can continue the conversation with Eric as well. Uh, thank you to Eck, our producer, who always puts these episodes together. And I'll finish with another thank you to you, Stu. And yeah, you too, man. Thank you very much. And one way. One way. One way.